Live from the meantime in Austin, Texas, this is the Sandlot Revolution Podcast. This is what a Rambler sounds like. Delicious sparkling water made with our limestone mineral blend. This is what a Rambler sounds like. Because Rambler is made here in the U.S. of A. Ramblers do it better. Visit RamblerSparklingWater.com to learn more. Hello, Sandlot fans. This is another recording we did in 2022. We're talking to Carlo Freeze from the West Philly Waste. Carlo Freeze, live yeah. from Southwest Philly, manager of the West Philly Waste. Uh, thanks for being here. You're in beautiful uh, uh, King Seeker area of uh, Philly, and you're in front of the rec center. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's uh, King's Essing is the name of this. King's Essing. King's Essing. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, yeah. What? I, I think I think it's like a Native American. I think it's a Native word. I can't remember which which tribe, but I think it means like a river runs between it or under it. Because in this section of Philadelphia, there's a creek called Mill Creek, and it runs under a lot of the the, the structures here, and, and it sort of gets you know. So I think that's what King's Essing means, if I remember. I, I I'd have to look it up, but yeah. Something to that effect. <laughs> that's why it's a strange sounding word. So that's the 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 home field of the Philly Waste and any other teams. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's a, a new another team sort of you know Sandlot team that started um, that plays on Sundays. They're called the Kings. They call themselves the Kings Essing Wreckers. So this is the Kings Essing Rec Center behind you behind me. And uh, they, yeah, so they call themselves the Kings Essing Wreckers. They're not affiliated with the Rexer and everything. I just think it was, they thought it was a cool name, you know? So, right, right. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah so, good so um, Brian likes to start things off here with his uh, little, just, just to get things moving with a little something he calls quick draw. Oh, yeah. I, I like, I, I've been listening to some of your episodes since we've talked. So I've been, I, I, I'm, I'm familiar now. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Yeah, it's just kind of a fun way to uh, put you on the spot and get to know you a little bit, uh, you know, as we get yeah. into the interview here. A uh, couple questions before uh, or leading into that, I guess. Um, so you're from Connecticut. You're from southeastern Connecticut. So up north is Hartford. Down south is Stanford. Right in the middle, speaking of Native American, is Foxwoods. Uh, you're, you're close to Stanford, I assume? Uh, no, Stanford is uh, basically, it's like if you're looking at uh, the shape of Connecticut, there's a little piece that extends in the bottom left corner. That's like where Stanford is. That's basically more or less New York. Right. I'm on the eastern side of the state, uh, on the eastern side of the Connecticut River. So Connecticut River kind of goes, it actually flows all the way through New England, but uh, it comes through Hartford and then it goes out to Long Island, out into Long Island Sound. So it kind of divides the state like sort of in half. Um, yeah, so I'm just, and I'm on East Haddam is right on the, the Eastern side of that river. Got it. Got so it. And so you mentioned earlier, you grew up in Connecticut, uh, went to school in Boston and, uh, then New York city, then to Philly. Like what, what took you to Philadelphia? Uh, well, um, I used to come here. Well, like, I mean, I still, I still play in music and stuff, but, uh, being in the sort of Northeast corridor, you're going to hit like Boston, Providence, New York. Uh, Philadelphia, Baltimore, so on, like when you're touring in a band. So I used to come down here a lot. I used to, and I made a lot of friends. That's actually how I really found the, like the waste existed before me. I didn't, I didn't start the team. Um, I came down here. I don't remember. I must've been visiting or something. I don't exactly remember. I know it was 2012, but I came down to this field that I'm sitting at and they were playing on a Wednesday night under the lights. And, um, I like, sort of like just went up to somebody and I was like, can I just play? And they're like, yeah, like, like I don't have a glove. I, you know, I didn't know I was going to do this. And they're like, yeah, just borrow one, whatever. They were still playing softball at that time. Um, they had like dollar beers for sale. They had a whole culture around it. Mostly sort of uh, derived out of like the punk rock scene in Philadelphia at the time. And um, so a lot of people you go and see play and then you go out on Friday night and they'd be at the gig, you know, or whatever. Or, or you see the, you see the person who was, playing center field, playing the drums or something, you know? So, um, I came out here, I got up to bat, I hit the ball well, more well than I was expecting to. And i I was so excited that when I was going around first base, I was wearing sneakers and basically I turned really hard to the left 
and the base went one way and I went the other and I just face planted oh. into the sand. <laughs> Not like badly, like in a funny way. Like I, I turned over and I was laughing and everybody was laughing at me and we have, you know, so it's just like, all right, this is good. When I, if, when I, you know, at that time I hadn't decided to move here yet, but I mean, certainly that was like one of the things that was attractive to me is like these other, you know, like Connecticut's very rural. You have to drive everywhere. There's not just, you can't just like go down the street and play baseball with your friends or do really anything with your friends. Like you got to drive everywhere. Like we used to drive endlessly to go to gigs and whatever. So being in a place where there was more going on, especially in, even just in this neighborhood was like really refreshing for me coming from such a sort of small town area. So, you know? so that's cool as shit. We're going to pick up right there with, uh, with you, uh, your first, uh, sorry, that's not, that's not much of a quick answer for quick draw. Uh, I apologize. Yeah. Well, that wasn't, <laughs> I, I, it was unfair. I didn't really start you with a quick draw. We're going to pick up right there with, uh, your punk rock experience. Plus your first, uh, play in Sandlot, uh, as soon as quick draws over. Cause that was a great story you started to tell there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Quick draw. Who's the teammate from the waste you take to a bar fight? Take to a bar fight. Um, hmm. I don't know. I might, I might take one of our catchers. He likes to talk a lot. He likes to talk a lot of shit, but I don't know if he would actually throw a punch. <laughs> he would probably just annoy everybody to death. Like he, him and I on the field, like he'll start saying stuff and he'll, and people are just look, look at him like, what are you like? Why are you not mad at him? I'm like, cause I know he's full. I know he's like just messing around. It's like, he just, he said some, he, I mean, sort of, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of people that I've met down in your, your way are very polite. And so when they hear us like Northeasterners, like, like if you talk shit to somebody's face that, you know, it's usually because you love them, not because you hate them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's like the pe and, and and people tend to do the opposite when they don't like somebody, they don't talk to them. So out of, you know. out of endurance, uh, yeah. it's enduring. Yeah. At the very right, least. Yeah. So like, that, it's kind of like, it's, it's sort of a rite of passage. I think it's like, it, I, I don't know if it's meant to, if it toughens people up or whatever. I think it just makes them able to be resilient is a better way of putting it rather than having to have some sort of tough exterior about all this stuff, you know. At the very least, he uh, would uh, take the fire towards him. Yeah, he's I mean, he, he, would, he, would start, he would start opening his mouth and then fists would start flying. And I could, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll get, I'll get in the counter punches or something so I don't have to take one in the head. We've had, we've had a couple folks answer with the person that would be the best uh, talker to get them out of the fight, which I think is the best answer around, right? You, yeah. Don't get in the fight There's the probably place. other people, but I don't really think of my, that I could think of, but I don't really think necessarily of, as of people like, I can think of people from other teams. I would love to get in a bar fight, like to help me in a bar fight, but not necessarily. My, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so folks from Pittsburgh, I could think of, I could be like, yeah, I want, you know, I want this person, that person to be in that bar fight with me. That would be nice. So, so t they would definitely hold it down. So T-shirt reads, uh, West Philly Waste, we're lovers, not fighters. Yeah, right. That's, All right. that's true. All right, music question. Uh, you're going to prison for life, and I'm sorry about that. Um, what two albums? I hope it was for something good. What, what two albums would you take with you? Ooh. Uh, the first album by The Ruts. It's an English punk rock band. Uh, they made one album called The Crack. Um, that would be one. I love that album. I kind of fell in love with that album. Um, I'm, I mean, I grew up in punk rock, so who, if you're into punk and you don't love Black Flag, there's pro, it's pro, that's pretty rare. <laughs> so uh, sort of following Henry Rollins and his like spoken word stuff and this and that, I saw him at a concert, and he talked about uh, this band called The Ruts that um, he ended up like basically short story is that like the guitar player was dying and some like 10 years ago they hit him up and asked him to sing for the band because the original singer died in 1980 so he goes on and on about how important this record was to him and i'm like damn i'm like if they're contemporaries with like the damned and the sex pistols and the buzzcocks and all those bands i'm like this band must be fucking awesome if he's mentioning it in like a, a comedy stand-up kind of special thing um so i checked it out and it like blew me away so that's definitely number one and then number two, um, I don't know, probably something by like Nina Simone. I don't know if I could think of a specific album, but or Aretha Franklin, some, some a soul singer of some of some kind. Perfect, know. perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Like you like Thanksgiving or Christmas more? Um, Thanksgiving or Christmas more? Well, it used to be Christmas, but as my family has shrunk, 
Um, I started dating somebody who has a very big family and in the Philadelphia area uh, since then. And so I went to Thanksgiving with her like three years ago and I walked into a, a, a not a not a big house with like 50 of her relatives in it. <laughs> and she has like, I was like, you have more cousins than I have like extended family. It's kind of crazy. So, um, and then gotten to know her. So yeah, Thanksgivings have become fun. They've been a little bit weird with COVID, but right before COVID, I mean, it could have been in the country already in, in 2019, but as who, who knows, but uh, yeah, we, I went to this big Thanksgiving and like, that was like, reminded me of going to like Thanksgivings and Christmases and Easter's as a kid. I mean, my, my dad's side of the family lived in Connecticut and uh, they were, they were Catholic. So, you know, like those holidays were definitely something where people would get together and eat food, you know? So. Got it. Got it. Got it. When, when uh, Carlo uh, walks into a convenience store, what does Carlo buy? Uh, if I'm in a convenience store, I might be buying ice cream late night because <laughs> there's, there are some late night convenience stores around me or possibly I'm looking for like, fruit because i like i get tired of eating potato chips so i want to eat something that's not salty and i and i buy bananas or something like that eat those last question uh you could be any famous person dead or alive who would you want to go have beers with if you could pick any uh famous politician actor athlete any any all the all the above who would you take to lunch or or a cold beer hmm I don't know. I feel like I got to have a baseball related answer. I feel like it would be really interesting to talk to like an old ball player. Like, I mean, Babe Ruth is kind of an obvious one, but um, I don't know, maybe somebody like Ted Williams or uh, I mean, I, I, I own a, I, we have a copy of the science of hitting like that one of our teammates had. And then I kind of got it and I study it. And then when I have new people come to the waste, I give them the book. I'm like, Check out the science book. It's really cool. So I would love to, yeah, I think it would be fun to sit down with Ted Williams and talk to how he came to a lot of these conclusions and things about hitting, you know, since that was primarily like his like, absolute 100% focus on what he wanted to be as a ball player. So that's my answer yeah, for that. Yeah, he could hit a little bit. And uh, by the way, he uh, could hit a little bit. I, I don't know how many uh, Sandlot Revolution podcast episodes you've heard, but uh, don't feel like any of your answers or any of this dialogue has to be baseball related and, unless you want it to be. No, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt like that was a good thing, thing to think of because I was thinking about that book today because it's got some really cool illustrations. And I was like, I think a couple of us were looking at it and we were like, we should all get like this as a tattoo. It would be really cool. <laughs> you know? All right. Trans- transitioning yeah. away from the questions, I want to go back to uh, your music. So you've been playing punk rock for how long? You're you're still playing, which I'm jealous of. T- talk, talk about uh, – your love for music, your career in it, and and, uh, and sure. what's going on there with, with, with the punk. Yeah, I, and I'll be able to interweave that into baseball too, but we'll get there. So uh, I started <laughs> when I started um, I started playing music like with other people when I was like fourteen. I think when I was fourteen years old, um, I played guitar primarily, and then my parents are really cool and like they live on a a, a couple of acres of property, so they sort of gave me space to like work it out and figure things out and learn how to write songs and be loud and all that sort of stuff. And, um, so the neighbors got to hear me progress as a musician too, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, to the point where like, I think I remember going down there like in my twenties, like I had a gig at, and, uh, I don't think, I don't think I was living at their house, but I had a gig. We needed to like rehearse or something. So we went down there and the neighbors came over. They're like, your band's got real good. Like I was like, oh, good. I mean, I guess that you're a good, you're a good like barometer for my uh, my my progression as a musician, you know. But um, yeah, so started when I was pretty young. Like learned how to write music. Learned how to like, how do you get to the band of the show? How do you pack the gear in the car? How do you like and all that sort of stuff? How do I make my gear work better? Um, things like that. Um, sort of like the and then it took a, it took me a few years to like sort of find where things were happening because Connecticut's very spread out. So like Hartford, it's an hour from where my parents live, New Haven, Connecticut, and 45 minutes from where my parents live. Like, and then the, the closest place to where I grew up was a town called New London, uh, which is also, you know, that's more, that's close to, closer to like Mohegan Sun and the Foxwoods casino area. Um, and uh, there was a club there that I used to go to and my band started playing there and I met tons of people that sort of, you know, you sort of get pulled into the tribe or something like that. And you start to see like how other people approach this thing that they love and 
you know, what effect that has on other people, you know, and things. So it's, that's like that. I, I take all of those lessons and I bring, I bring them to like what we do as far as our team here too, as well. Um, going all the way up through my twenties and into my thirties and stuff like um, that has always been the underlying thing is that like the d- sort of DIY, d- like at, by any means necessary to make it happen carries through from punk into all the way into everything else in my life, you know? Very cool. You said you were going to weave it into baseball. Is that what you just did? Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Well, I'm going to, no, I'm going to specifically weave it into baseball with one of your uh, guests that you've interviewed before. Um, In 2005, my band booked a tour with this band that we never met from New York city called the shit. And Matt Emmerich was their bass player from the Port who became, who ran the Port City Pickles. So Matt and I have known each other since 2005 um, from being in punk bands. And then he, uh, I don't remember when he moved to Philadelphia. I think he was here for like four, like four or eight years. Um, So he had moved down here. So whenever I'd come to town on tour, like we'd always usually hook up or he'd come see my band play or whatever. And we always kept touch about stuff. And I knew he played with the waist and, did a little bit of stuff, but I wasn't really aware of like what the scene of about around that was. So as far as my sort of taking over uh, the team, um, the waste exists. The waste I think started in like 2008 or 2009. And it was pretty much just like a local, like bunch of punks that, that, uh, that wanted to play like pickup softball. And that's all it ever really was. They would go to Pittsburgh sometimes and play. And one of the pit, there's a Pittsburgh team. That's like the oldest one in the doc Ellis league called, uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Pounders and they're sort of all like all their stuff's kind of pirates themed. Um, and that's where the connection to Doc Ellis comes from um, and everything. But yeah, that all comes from me sort of coming down here uh, and then Matt like getting me into like coming out to like when I started coming out to the waste and sort of organizing it, I took over in like 2016 from the people that were organizing it. And then Matt started coming around again and uh He's the one who kind of steered, like, I think I said this, I texted it to you, like, he's the one who kind of steered us into hardball, um, sort of because I was like, if we're going to go to Pittsburgh and play people at baseball, and then apparently there's another team that plays baseball that want to, like, do this thing, like, we went we went and did this thing that we do called the Doc Ellis World Series, and up until before then, we had played softball, and then it's like, oh, shit, in a couple of weeks, we got to play baseball, let's play baseball, <laughs> and we would come out and practice baseball and work on our pitching and our catching or whatever, and then... We went to the World Series, and I was like, there's, like, five other teams doing this? this is like, we got to stop doing softball. This is stupid. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, there's no reason for me to steer towards baseball. I don't, I'm not a baseball player. Not really. I mean, I am now. But, like, I wasn't growing up, so there wasn't a big reason for me to, like, steer it in that direction other than it just seemed to make more logical sense. Not, and I also got tired of bringing two different kinds of equipment. I started, like, I took over, like, bringing the equipment immediately so it was all softball stuff, so aluminum bats, big balls, big gloves, et cetera. And then we started doing baseball, so we got some catcher's equipment and all this other stuff. And I was like, which one are we going to do this week? Like, I got to know because this is driving me insane <laughs> trying to figure it out. So finally, like, once I, I think I sort of established myself as, like, uh, the, the main organizer at the time with, with a friend of mine, uh, I, was, I was finally able to just be like, you know what, we need to just go to baseball. Because a lot of what would happen and a lot of the problems that would happen is, like, when you're doing like kind of beer league softball, it sort of brings out these like people who have like a little bit of a too much of a jock mentality because it's kind of like especially if it's slow pitch, it's kind of an easy game. The guys want to come up and just rip dingers and like they're and then you know women step up to bat and all the guys got to move in and do all, make all these weird say all these weird things and just make people feel strange. And like when we switched to hardball, I think it alienated the people because it's a tougher game. So like. It, it allowed us to be insular, with it, but still be inclusive and draw in new people that want to play. With it, but it kind of leave behind the sort of like jockiness and and arguments that would happen, and just like too much, you know, too much of that. Kind of, I kind of allowed us to like tighten, the rain, tighten up, you know. As it were. You're Howard's, uh, you're Howard's new best friend. Uh, with, <laughs> yeah. with, with that comment, yeah, very. Aligned. Yeah, well, okay, make. Well, you know what's funny is like I was talking to my friends in Baltimore the other day, and they're like, "I wish we had another team to play because we just have to like play amongst ourselves." And I was, and it's like either that or it's men's leagues, and like there's a big difference between Doc Ellis and then like men's leagues, which often have like former college players and whatever. Like sometimes some of the Doc Ellis teams get lucky and they get like a pitcher who pitched in college, and we're like, "Oh, look at you guys, that's not fair," you know? Like it's not really, it's it's not fair. It's just like 
I mean, honestly, it doesn't really matter. Like the league, anybody can be anybody can be a good pitcher if they put the time in with a lot of this stuff because like nobody's throwing like eighty in this league. It's it's too like people. We don't practice baseball enough to be trying to hit eighty mile an hour fastballs. You know what I mean? It's right. like it, it's it's just too much to ask. I think you know. And, and it's nobody nice to think that you could, but nobody needs to be trying to throw them that hard. I mean, we've had no. literally man two or three you, people break arms yeah. trying to throw yeah. hard. You know, in in the different teams in Austin, just trying yeah. to overthrow. Yeah. Well, you know what really like solidified that in my mind. We we so. Once we switched completely to baseball, all of 2017, we practiced baseball. We went to Pittsburgh. We like we did a weekend there, and we played both teams, and we won both our games. And I was like, cool, we're doing well. And we went to the World Series, and we won all of our games. And we're like, oh, we're doing – oh, man, we're fucking kicking that. Like, look at us, man. And then, like, our, our numbers started to peter out going into the fall. Uh, so we went down the street. There's another – there's, like, a nicer baseball field uh, that's um, – there was like a men's league that that did like pickup down there. So we show up thinking we're going to kick fucking ass and all this. And, and th- this pitcher drilled me and my friend who plays on the waist as well. So hard in the elbow. I'm like, I don't think I want to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it just like, it completely deflated me. Like I, it, my arm were just like the bottom half of my arm was like, I went numb. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So <laughs> backed away a little bit just to be like, okay, Clearly, it's like it's it's smart to think about like not really like necessarily vet people, but just think about the kind of people you want to go up against. Because my neighbors, when I leave the house, are like, "Oh, you're going to do baseball tonight? Like, when's your next game?" I'm like, "It's in Pittsburgh," and they're like, "Why don't you play anybody in Philly?" I was like, "Because there isn't any. It's just not. You know, this is it. Like, it's us playing us against ourselves, kind of you know, sort of thing or whatever. You know, right? right. Or adjacent. Some people come. I mean, and you guys probably experience this as well." when you're going to go and decide you want to go to like the field of dreams or come to wherever and play, you have 18 people. Maybe if you're lucky that show up and they'll play every week, but then when you got to travel, you get 10 or something, you know what I mean? Like who can commit? I mean, for us, our league doesn't have any sponsors. All of this stuff is self-funded. It's like we, we do it completely. So like, if you're not doing it for fun, then you're wasting your money and you're wasting your time. I yeah, think, you know, absolutely. Like we're we're serious. We're all. I think we're all serious about organizing it to make it work. But nobody's like trying to beat each other. Like there's not. I mean, there there's honestly Philly and Philly and the like the Wesley Ways and the and the Pounders did have a big rivalry for many years. Um, but we sort of squashed that. Like you know, like we had some sort of. There was some animosity over some things that happened in some games, but then the next year we went and we just like whipped at, we just kicked ass. And to me, I was like, that's good to forget about that now because we we had success in in, in beating them. You know, like yeah. that was that was good enough for me. You know, plus it's like if anything like that was like pre-existing before me, I don't really see a need to like take that. I didn't see a need to take that on. I'm like, I don't have time to carry around that baggage of past maybe stuff that was going on. You know? Yeah, and if you're not willing to so. dial it in for the team you're playing. So that it yeah. is more fun. Like nobody likes to sit around and watch people strike out. Like people want to get no, the ball no. and have, you know be fielding and they uh, get hits. Yeah, and, I mean, you know. we're 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 the league is big about putting it in like put it in play, hit at the pitch to contact kind of thing. Like, yeah, um, and it's not meant to necessarily make it easy, but like not everybody that steps up to the plate is like like here's a good example. There's a we I went out to Pittsburgh this week the past weekend with the Wreckers. That there's a team out there called the Allegheny A's, and they have this pitcher who looks like he stepped out of the Civil War. He's got the big chopper sideburns and everything. He's just like, and he's the sweetest guy. But he throws like a knuckleball. He, he was throwing like controlled knuckleballs that like were dancing in the air and doing all this crazy shit. And I'm just like, how the fuck do you do that? And I'm like, for to have me in our sort of like in our little league, like what we do, uh, and to see like a pitcher that can throw with like a lot of control. He's not necessarily throwing it fast. He can throw like a curve, like a you know, slow, slower curveballs and knuckleballs and all this like fun stuff. But, like so, but he would sort of gauge what the batters wanted to see. He wouldn't do that for everyone. You know? Right, right. It's so, just gotten. That's real- a big part of it. it is like pitching democratically, you know what I mean? Rather yeah. than just being like, yeah, I got to whiz it by everybody and look how great, I, you know, like nobody wants to stand in center field and watch a freaking perfect game. That sucks, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it sucks for everybody, I mean, everybody on the field. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd be happy for the pitcher to be doing that well, but like it's never, it's not the case. It's never the case. We're not, we're, none of us are at that level. No, it doesn't matter how big, good we think we are. And forget, you know? and forget so. his, the pitcher's center fielder. 
being bored and playing center field, it's the uh, the other team that's uh, three up, three down, three up, three down, three up, three down. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. Oh my it, God. It's not Sandlot fun if both teams aren't having a good time and, and participating. Yeah. Yeah, great point you make. So, so, yeah. so you played um, one year of organized baseball in Little League, correct? Yes, yes. So, if I told sixteen-year-old punk rock Carlo that in twenty twenty-two he'd be running a baseball team, what, <laughs> what would he say to that? Fuck that, or what would he say? No, I, here's the here's the thing. Uh, there is a big tendency. It's funny because punk rock is such a physical like art form. I guess like the bands like really put it on. Like the drummers are freaking sweating back there, man. Like it's a physical. It's just like playing metal or anything else. That's like a more extreme form of music. Like you're working hard usually. Like not maybe not so much if you're playing guitar, but if you're playing like drums and stuff, like you, you're you're doing four things at once sometimes. Like it's not for the week it's not for the like the weak-minded you know like you really got to hold together back there the band is counting on you so like I, and a lot of the those and a lot of that kind of music is like really fast or really like sometimes punk rock it's like the song's a minute long like we got it all here's every part that we want you to hear you know right. but uh i don't think that i would have necessarily been again i'm i'm a big part of punk is that like i think what a lot of people feel like what attracts it to them and them into it in the first place is that like a lot of the people that get into punk are like were picked on by like sports people that played sports in their school and are, are jocks. You know, it's like a typical thing, like jocks versus the nerds, revenge of the nerds kind of crap. But it's not completely untrue. Um, I'm not really like a sports fan. I was when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, like, I mean, I grew up in the 90s. So like I didn't know anything about the Chicago Bulls, except like they were the best team in the world to, at the time, you know, like and so I had Chicago Bulls stuff. I had like I had any sports team that had like a particular member that was like having you know doing well like their I feel like their effect on popular culture was just so big that it was like hard not for it to resonate with like a fifth grader you know what I mean right like I mean when I was when I probably the biggest disappointment of my young life was being nine years old uh, the USA Dream Team the basketball team that like insane like you look at the poster go look at it if you forgot who's on the team it's like they're all like hall of famers. It's kind of crazy, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, uh, my parents used to get Kellogg's cornflakes. So at the time you could send in the box tops. And if you got enough, sent enough in, you would mail, you know, whatever the ship six ninety five plus for shipping and handling. And you'll get a, uh, USA dream team zip up, like starter kind of warm up jacket. And I, you know, collected them up, collect them up. I sent it in. What came back was basically like a screen printed trash bag with a zipper on it. <laughs> with like, with like terrible, like, yeah, like the, the images were all skewed. Like it was a, it was a total piece of garbage. Did, did you frame I think it? I, I mean, I like, I don't even know. I don't, I don't think I was only nine. So I probably like either, I don't know. I probably you, cried. And you my tried mom to wear it. Like, you definitely tried to wear it. I don't know. I think we took it out and I put it on. And I was just like, uh, like I didn't, you know, I didn't know that thing. I didn't know that the world could be so nefarious when I was nine years old, you know? Hey, quick, hey, quick side note. I got you... fucking ripped. I got, that's my first big ripoff, I think, you know? Like, oh, man. I worked really hard. I ate a lot. I ate so many cornflakes. It's not a great cereal, you know? Like you, you got to eat it real fast or else it gets soggy, you know? But... Quick, quick side note. You bring up the physical activity, the cardiovascular component of somebody. Yeah. Playing... Oh, and the, yeah. So the cardiovascular part like the slam dancing in punk rock, like people going around a million miles an hour, people that don't know what it is. looks like a, it looks like a, a, a bar, like a bar fight is happening in the middle of the dance floor, but it's like people picking each other up when they fall down. There's a lot of cooperation that goes on un, unsaid. Um, and I mean, it's so many things that music is, has now comes from that world. It comes from that independent music world of like, you know what? The record labels don't want to put out our shit. Fuck them. We'll start our own record label. Uh, the, you know, the, the club owner doesn't want to let us play fine. We'll go to BFW hall. We'll come up with the money for the security deposit and we'll get a PA system and we'll run our own show. So like, it's not all those things work for Sandlot baseball. I mean, all you have to do is have the ambition and the time really. And then everything else will fall into place. If you, if you stick, stick with it, you know, quick side note on your point though. Uh, this isn't, they're not necessarily punk rock specifically, but definitely same energy. Uh, two cool stories are uh, Flea from uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers 
what he yes. does, what he does before a show to prep for what you're talking about. And then even better is uh, Mike Ness, who I, I've always had a man crush on uh, from Social D. He he, he has a the, the truck that carries their equipment when they tour. Half of one of those yeah. 18 wheelers has a full on boxing gym in it, and he yeah. has a full on punching bo- solo. Uh, boxing workout before he goes on set to get ready for well for many reasons yeah but to get ready for the intensity of a show that he's about to physically have to deliver the thing is though is that flea comes from the punk rock world he's not like you know i mean he played in this bit i don't know if you're aware but he played in a band called fear which is like a a prolific la punk band and so he knows that world like it doesn't matter really how popular the guy how much success the guy has had as a musician he's still well, here's the one thing for my sort of thing with a measure of success when it comes to like people that are adjacent to the punk rock world. If you're coming into some success and you're pulling up everybody else with you a little bit, I don't really see why you could be mad at that. Like, I maybe maybe it's become more of an understanding thing when I was older, like, since I've gotten older. But like, there's a lot of this like sellout. People yell sellout, and I was like, well, making money and selling out are different things. Like, right. sometimes people just get lucky and like you know, for a band like Nirvana to blow up in the early nineties and to like get big, they're all punk rock people. Like, and, uh, a lot of those bands, you know, and then social distortion. Like if you want to like, if you're not super familiar with what like DIY punk rock touring is about, look up, watch the movie, another state of mind. Uh, it has a uh, social distortion like this. They're like been a band for two years and this other band from LA called youth brigade. And uh, they went out and did like a five week tour in a school bus, all done. They book all the shows themselves. And like you just see the sort of chaos and like melee that ensues with trying to like cram 20 kids in a bus and trying to tour U.S. and Canada. You know, like that's what it's like. It's, right. it's a perfect it's a perfect touring movie. Like and you see people kind of break down and be like, man, I wish I was back in L.A. with my surfer girlfriend and all this crap. And then some guys leave like the, the bus breaks down and they like, yeah, they, I mean, they, they rough it. They really do. You know, they're so it's funny because at the beginning, they're so like filled with glee because they're about to go do this insane thing. And by the end, they're just like so depleted. But I like think they learned a lot of lessons, you know, so it's like it's really cool to watch that play out because I don't know if that was necessarily their intention. They just knew they wanted to hire a camera crew to come along. And like what they got is like this way bigger thing, which is cool. You know, yeah, very cool. It's um, so I mean, you've said a bunch of things that uh, are comparing Sandlot to punk rock and what is so, you know, why is Sandlot so punk rock? Like what are some of the direct lines you think that are, that, that makes lines? it feel that way? Um, Cause we've heard that from a few people, Matt being one of them. Yeah. Matt if you, it, it's easy. If you build it, they will come. It's right out of, it's a line from field of dreams. Like that's how it works. If you want a show to happen, you got to make the flyers. You got to, you know book the hall or wherever you're gonna have it figure all that stuff out get all the bands figure out if they want money like this and that like baseball is the same way for us like okay what do we got to do okay we got to get some bases we got to like basically like because we're trying to approach this from like this i don't go out and seek out people to play for the waste the tryout is if you come three times and you have a good attitude and you're not an asshole and you're not an asshole or like a skis ball like you're on the team if you want to be you're on the team like, I, I sometimes, like, especially earlier in the year, I'll carry around uh, a bag of extra baseball gloves um, with the rest of the gear and bring them down. And then when people maybe show up who haven't played in a while, they don't have a glove, like, cool, here's a glove, put it on, go out there, you're, you're flying center field. And they're like, okay. And then if they continue to come back, I'm just like, just take it. Like, because I'm always scouring as, as, I don't even call myself a manager, because Matt may have told you, like, about the uh, no umpires, no managers thing. We don't oh, hire right, umps. Right. And we don't really have, I wouldn't even go as far to say the teams have managers. The teams have like more like a captain or like sometimes a pair or three or four captains that kind of like get everybody else. Like, here's what we're doing. Here's where we're going at this time. Every band has a leader. Every baseball team has a or multiple leaders that kind of like, oh, this person, like when blah, blah, blah is on town. Well, this person is going to do it, take care of getting them to come play you in, on, in October, whatever it is like. So all that stuff from punk is the same thing, the organizing part, and also just like the DIY, make it happen and make it happen by any means necessary. Like in Pittsburgh, this just goes back to me just trying to like improvise on the spot. We went, I went out, I was out there last weekend. We played two games on Saturday because there's three teams, so we played two. We played doubleheader Saturday, 
and Sunday it was supposed to rain. So we're like, ah, we're not going to be able to play our game. I'm like, let's just all go to the local bowling alley and we'll just play each other at bowling. Like at least we'll all get to hang out and have fun. And it's like, it's not baseball, but it's, it's, if it's raining, like what else are we going to do? And everybody was like on board. And then it ended up not rain. Like the rain, like it rained a little bit during the night, but we were able to play our third game. So we didn't have to do that, but that's just kind of how it is. It's like, how can you turn and pivot? It's like as fast as possible to like keep the, the momentum going. Um, you know, sometimes we come down to our field because we play at night. So sometimes we come down to the field and like a couple of weeks ago, the two lights behind home plate were off. So we're like, all right, get on the group chat. Everybody, all right, we're going down to Woodland. And we go down the street to the, the other park and we still made something happen. You know, so not just like coming here and then the lights aren't on and we just say, ah, fuck it and go home. Like right. try to actually make something out of it. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that's like the same thing. Any means necessary. When we went to West Virginia, when we go to play the World Series, it's when you it stops, it's like a nine or a 10 hour drive. We have the longest drive pretty much as of the teams that showed up this year. But, and it, nobody's get, giving us money to go do that, but the, what you get when you get there is worth more than you could ever hope to have in your hand as far as like a monetary amount. Like what we, what we get out of going to West Virginia is like lifelong friends, like an experience. It's like, it's like, a, it feel, it's weird because it's not like that is any special place. Somebody just knew about this. There was a camp, there's this campground that they let you rent the whole thing. It's like a, it's a, a girl's like academy and they um they let you rent it for a certain amount of night and then there's some baseball fields in the town nearby and we drive down and we like we just do it we just have a baseball tournament it doesn't really matter who wins especially now we don't have enough time to play enough games to determine a winner so we just play and everybody just like this year had like so much less pressure pressure about it and also uh people um People that just didn't worry so much about that, like because we didn't have the ability to all play each other, so, so we were able. We just went down and just had really a lot of fun. So that's you know? that's badass. You guys call it your World Series, but it's not at all. Yeah. it's not at all a World it, Series from a championship standpoint. It's y'all's World Series no. of Sandlot experience for the year. Uh, Listen, just same. Yeah, same, I mean, I would you do say the just, same. Yeah, yeah. It's like there is no. Yeah, we call it the Doc Ellis World Series. However. It's not a World Series playoff sort of thing. It's just like you you go and you try to play everybody once. If it rains, you're screwed. If something else happens, oh well. Like it's you know it doesn't matter. You just figure it out. Like this sort of reason that Matt and I still have a strong bond is because in 2019. Well, and we also haven't been there in three years, so that's a big part of why I think it was magic this year as well. Like a lot. Like I haven't seen the people from the teams from Richmond in three years, other than online. Like it's like. We did a couple of Doc Ellis like hangouts on Zoom, like in the early part of the pandemic when I was more ambitious with being like on the computer and stuff. But uh, other than that, I haven't seen them physically in three years. Some of them, so like it was like a being, it was like a family reunion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and you can't. That's the best. But, like you know, like, and I imagine I don't know. I'm I from listening to your podcast, and I also met a couple of people from out your way. Like, some I actually brought this along because I wanted to show you guys this. At one point, we made a. Uh, a post on our Instagram and we said, Hey, we need some gloves and stuff. We're kind of running out or whatever. And so uh, the long time sent us some gloves and they sent me this postcard. So I have a free long time uh, like pass, I guess to get in, or maybe it's to play a game. I don't really know. If I come all the way the long time, I'm playing a freaking game. That's, there's no, <laughs> I mean, I've seen the pictures like, you know, and I think it's funny. It's, it's, I think it's cool to like see everybody have some sort of, um, physical presence on like Instagram, I guess is where we all see. That's why we started. I started seeing what you, y'all were doing down there and Sandlot. We don't, we never really called ourselves like Sandlot this or Sandlot that we just say it's pickup baseball. But like when you started tag, you know, tagging like Sandlot revolution, like we started doing it too. Cause we're like, we feel like we're doing something like this as well. But I feel like whenever with any revolution, like if you looked at the history of the American revolution, I'm sure uh, there's some people that had a certain th thought about the way it should be. And some other people had a certain thought about the way it should be if they go through with this thing. And it's kind of like how we are. I think we all have like, we have similar ideas and sometimes the approach, like the sort of, you know, track to get there or the road to get there is, is different and meandering, you know, but. And so this is an interesting point that I think we should sit on for one second. Uh, that what you just described is Sandlot. Uh, yes. By definition. Well, I think that, that go ahead. it's kind of what it is. It's like, I mean, the movie The Sandlot, they have a team. They only have eight people. And they literally go and see that kid, like, walking down the street. No, he's, like, spying on them. And they make him come out, and he gets busted out. His glove gets busted. And it's like, 
that's exactly what I do. Like, like during, during 2021, I was like, my, a friend of mine plays soccer. He's like, you want to kick a ball? I'm like, sure. I haven't kicked a ball since I was 14, <laughs> but, uh, I was like, yeah, I'll come do it. And, uh, I saw some, I saw two people throwing a baseball around and I literally went up and like cold called them. Like I was a freaking Jehovah's witness or something. And I'm just like, am I talking about baseball? Like, and I was like, and they're like, uh, like, I, I think I came on kind of strong. However, I told them about our Instagram, they checked it out and then they came to practice and then like, they've been, they're part of the team ever since, you know what I mean? And so like, I am always, I like, you have to be like the, I, I say this a lot. I've been saying this a lot lately, but I'm like, you have to be the ambassador for baseball. Like if you want it to grow and to see like other teams constantly popping up, like, it's like, I feel like for me, like I've been throwing and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Like I went down to like last year, I went to the Sandlot Revival in North Carolina and I played with the Port City Pickles. So I got to meet the Austin Drag, and I got to meet Brett Spears and the Rumblers and all that. So I've met, and I got to meet, meet like Ben from the National Dollies and some, of, and the, and sort of obviously the Carolina people. Like, so I got to, I got a sort of like a nice like peek. It was like you know, like I got a peek into that war, into like what's going on in the rest of the country, and it's like, oh yeah, like these people are like doing it. I mean, the long time is like a pipe dream. Like, there's the, there's not a nice park like that in Philly anywhere, unless you go to like one of the like actual, you know, like park parks where they actually have base real baseball fields that are manicured. But like that place looks like a freaking, you know, it's like a dream. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and, and to see that, you know, and, and to have a piece of farmland and stuff where it could be such a thing could be built is great. I mean, I feel like if you had a lot of money and like some sort of like philanthropic weight to throw around, which I don't have either of, uh, you could probably go and, go to a park in Philly if you love baseball enough and be like, I want to redo it and then like have it all redone. Cause there, there's a zillion p- baseball park. If you look at Google maps, it looks like there's a zillion baseball parks. About four of them are actually worthwhile. And a lot of them got, a lot of them are just having, they don't get maintained because baseball's is not big here. Right. Really right. not for kids. It's not big here. Sorry. It's not big here for kids. So yeah. like the, like we're, we're here usually on a Wednesday night waiting for 200 kids that are practicing football to get off the field. Wow. Never once do I see a kid that's 10 years old throwing a baseball out here. Not really. Yeah. Like my, we try and in years past, it's been, it kind of ebbs and flows, but for the most part, there's not really, at least not, at least not for like the kids that are playing football. There, there's not like sort of a crossover. I kind of want to go over to him and be like, come play baseball instead. <laughs> it's better for your knees. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's part of my dream with, with Sailor Revolution and just with Sailor in general is that kids, so many kids, Get disenfranchised with baseball in Little League. Oh yeah, you know well, I, it's too young. I started running. Yeah, it is too young. It's you're you're not you're not ready to handle that. Yeah, you're not ready to handle get some an object getting that. I mean, I guess the people that are ready to handle it keep going, and then they, maybe they become major leaguers. But like, not everybody's ready to like. When I was when I I think I played Little League when I was ten, maybe. So it was like a year after my uh, my dream team pullover ripoff, you know. <laughs> so I, so I played I played for the East Haddam Yankees, and like the dad on the team, like his two sons were on the team. So guess who got to play most of the games? You right. know, it's like I sat on the bench a lot. I met my best friend, who we were like I think we were he was a grade behind me in school, but like I met my best friend. He used to call me Meatloaf because I was kind of a chubby kid, and then. Uh, when we were in high school, like we both realized that we were like kind of into like getting into punk bands and stuff, and we and we've like been best friends ever since, and we we're in bands and all that sort of crap, you know, like so, like but I remember like they're like put me put me at first base, and I'm like okay, and there I sort of they had a kid who they were saying was 12, but he looked like he was 15, but they put him <laughs> at third, and he was throwing, and it might as well have been going 90 miles an hour. It was ter- and it was wild too. So it was absolutely terrifying to trying to deal with that as a, as a, a 10 year old, you know what I mean? And I, I don't know why I, I didn't really, it didn't really get the bug because like the funny part is, is that like, I was, I was, I wasn't like a little shrimp kid. Like I was a strong kid, but like I would either strike out or I would hit the ball like into the woods and then they couldn't find it. So it was just like, okay, it's a double, you know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. Like, uh, because I was just, I don't know. I, I just, I had, I think I had a, I always been, I was like a really physical kid. Like when I was a little kid, I wanted to be like a stunt man. You know what I mean? So like, right. I'm, I'm approaching 40 and I'm still like sliding, diving for catches. Like, I don't care. Man. I mean, I know I should care and I do care about my health, but I don't care about like trying to do something like otherworldly for a person my age because it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I want to dive and the best thing uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to like 
I'll, I'll, or we can talk about it later about the Sandlot. We should talk about the Sandlot revival later because there's some fun things to mention in terms of that kind of stuff too. But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just like that was this. It's always it's always been like being doing physical things is fine. So I don't really feel like turned off by. I'm not like a. I couldn't tell you like any Philly stats or any of that stuff because I'm not a huge professional baseball fan. Like I I like it. I'm, but I don't really. I've just never been a, like a follower of teams. I guess you know. Yeah. yeah. So well, hopefully, so, you know, I, yeah. I I hope more kids will see us. I think all that they need to see. What I was, what I was gonna say it. is like, yeah. Well, I think they need to also see more. Like the one thing I think that's cool about the Sandlot shit is that like people. I, I don't know if you guys have to bleep all the expletives. I know I'm swearing a lot, but I'm yeah. from the Northeast. What can you do? <laughs> uh, it's how we get things done. We swear a lot. Um, uh, that some people go and see folks that are regular looking. Like, we don't look like professional right. baseball. I mean, maybe we do to a kid, but I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, we're, 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 we don't have magic team uniforms. We are you know joking around half the time like trying to keep each other loose you know so like i hope that kids can see like adults having this much fun i think i've heard you say that like some somebody's kid said i can't believe i've never seen adults have this much fun it's true it's like this is the whole reason for doing it if you're coming here to like get some sort of like uh sort of glory out of it like the glory is that you make it happen that's the the game like whatever yeah i couldn't tell you like I could t- I can maybe tell you sometimes what the score is, and maybe sometimes I can't. But I don't, we only really care about the scores is if it's if it's like a, t- a game where you're battling back and forth, because we do like five run mercy in Doc Ellis League, so like it's not getting blown out like fifteen to zero, you know, like you just kind of like like slow the momentum down, like let everybody get, you know, especially because sometimes like we go and then then you party Saturday night, and it's like cool, we're gonna play a Sunday at noon, and like people do not have themselves together yet <laughs> to be playing baseball. So you got to like, you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't need to be that serious. Like we're here to have a good time. Like we're, half the time, like someone's at bat, it doesn't matter which team it is. And there's people standing behind the backstop. Like, Oh, that was a good swing. And like, you're, we're always encouraging each other and the other team. I'll be yelling from the outfield, like nice hit, you know, like to the other right. team, yeah, which is like absolutely. not what you usually do when you play baseball, you know? Yeah. Or um, any sport. But it's you, or any sport, yeah, yeah. You've not, been, usually not. Yeah, you you've been uh, touching on you know the community aspect of it, the support, yeah, of the absolutely. community, and and whether it's throughout the Doc Ellis League or through other Sandlot uh, folks yeah. and that kind of I've thing. Been, I've been like, I've been ex- like sort of, I haven't been adverse to it. I just haven't really had the opportunity. But like coming down to the Sam, now we I guess we could talk about the Sandlot Rebel. Now, coming down to the Sandlot Revival last year, like, the reason I got asked to come is because Matt had just moved from Wilmington to uh, Chapel Hill, and the Port City Pickles were, like, kind of, like, they were kind of low in numbers. And what had happened in 2019 at the World Stock House World Series is we had a game. Oh, no, I think we were playing. We might have been playing Matt's team. We were, the Westerly Waste was playing the Port City Pickles. And I think it started raining really heavily during our game. So we just stopped it. And they're like, well, you can start it tomorrow. And then we're sort of like hanging out Saturday night at camp, like playing dice and carrying on and having a dance for and all that shit. And I sort of just went to Matt. I'm like, let's just combine teams and just play our games tomorrow. And he's like, yeah, or I don't remember if he said it or I said it, but one way or the other, we, we, we came to that agreement. So we called ourselves the Paste, the Pickles and the Waste, together. So he hit me up when he knew about the Sandlot Revival thing and said, hey, anybody who played for the Waste that year, hit him up. I want them to come down and do this thing in North Carolina. I was like, okay. So I hit up everybody and like everybody except for me and my friend who played on the, that was his first, his first time playing with the waste that year. Um, he came with me, but he was like, he made a decision at the last second. I'm like, I'm leaving at six. And he's like, uh, I'm like, you got to tell me if you're coming or not. Like I'm leaving today. I'm not going to miss this. And he's like, okay, I'm coming. And he like, you know, puts all the stuff. We jump in my truck and drive down. It's like eight hour drive or something. Um, and that let us stay at his house and all that. But, uh, yeah, and then to get to meet, like, Ben from the Dollies and, uh, you know, Tyler from the Reapers and, you know, and all the Kudzu people and and the drag. And so it's like I said it, I said it to, like, I think I said it to Hazy from the Austin Drag. I was like, if you guys were a thousand miles closer, you'd be in our league because you just, like, look like us. You play like us. Like, you just – it just fits. You can just – you know what I mean? So uh, – and I think that's becoming more the case. I mean, I don't know if – the Doc Ellis League, as it's been growing, has had influence on other people. I can tell you that I can 
you know, it's it's about like I said, it's about being seen, I guess, yeah. and so that's the sort of what Instagram is good for. Yeah. And so I think everybody's kind of up stepped up their like sort of social media presence, and or you like get a person on your team who's like good at that stuff, and then they kind of do it. You yeah. know, I mean, I, I've been saying all year long that we need the next like if I'm gonna go seek out a player. I need, we need a landscaper and we need a millionaire. And if we have those two things, we're good, man. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah. well, it's a, a millionaire who likes to spend their money on their friends. <laughs> when you get, when you get a little older, you want an orthopedist. It'll be on the top of the line as well. I was going to say, uh, we're coming up on, uh, on time here. Uh, I got to get this question out to you. Trivia. Uh, when you said you were going to connect punk rock to baseball, I thought you were going to go here. Um, do you know one of the original, the, one of the initial underground venues in the United States that ha- that housed punk rock when punk rock came to America? So, oh, it's one of the original underground venues that housed base, baseball players? That, that housed punk rock music when punk rock came to America. Ooh. Is it in Texas? No, no, no. It's the Cubby Bear. Uh, right outside Wrigley. Oh, the Cubby Bear. I should know that. Yeah. Which is one of the three sports bars that pre oh, that's Cubs, right. pre and post Cub games. Uh, that's the intention of those bars, but they uh, that one doubled. Yeah, yeah. Doubled. I know about the Cubby Bear. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought you were going there yeah. earlier when you said you were going to connect Oh, you know, it's funny, it's funny that you mentioned that because, like, I was I was thinking of, like, there's other places in Boston that are like that, too. <laughs> you know, I was like, going to say Boston, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, but Cubby Bear. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Chicago, like, punk rock fans from there and baseball fans, like, a lot of – I mean, a lot of punk rock people like baseball. I don't know why, um, but you see a lot of people with, like, team hats on. They come to the gig and, like, they might be wearing a leather jacket with, like, spikes and painting paint all over it, but they might have a freaking Mets hat on too, you know? It's like that's just how kind of how people – especially in New York. All the New York, like, hardcore bands – they all like have like sports jerseys or something like, you know, like half the bands are wearing Yankees hats half most of the time, you know, it's like, it's just part of the culture. Cause I think like well, those things are interconnected, especially when it's in like, um, like metropolitan big cities, like Philly and Chicago, New York, et cetera. Like, um, so yeah, I think that, I don't know, maybe it's, I guess it's the one sport where like, you're, you're really trying to like destroy this object being thrown at you. Like, you know what I mean? I guess you're trying to redirect it, but you're also kind of trying to destroy it. But there's <laughs> you know also, I mean? like, yeah, there's... Like a baseball bat is like, like a golf club is like a sculpted thing, and so is a baseball bat. However, it's also a club. Yeah. Like, people use baseball bats to inflict injury, too, you know? Like, and I guess golf clubs, but, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, it's like, it's, my, it's funny, like, actually, so my my dad didn't play baseball, but he... Uh, he sort of like always kind of mentored me in terms of like bringing me to practices and stuff with anything I was doing. So like his, he used to tell me stories. He grew up in New Haven, Connecticut, which was like an Italian kid in the fifties. It's like a rough place to grow up. And he was telling us stories about how this local like gang of teenagers would go and, and, and uh, raid the equipment closet at some baseball park. And they would go and steal all the baseball bats and they would sneak up on a rival gang with a bag of baseball bats and then just like they would see them and they would start running away and these guys start chucking baseball bats down the street and hitting people in the back of it. like complete and utter horrible violence by the way but like just like stories like that i'm just like holy crap man like and just you know my dad was a school teacher and he used when he taught he taught in new haven he he used to teach uh power mechanics and next to him was the wood shop and a lot of the kids a lot of a lot of young black men in the inner city of new haven like wanting to make baseball bats and stuff like that and so like that stuff has always kind of been around like anything i wanted to do or something i wanted to create like my father was the one who was like all right let's figure it out other than learning how to do anything electrical he can't do it he, he won't even wire like a socket he, he electricity scares him for some reason which isn't really the reason that i got into doing what i do for a living but like i i don't know i guess everything else that he taught me to be a fearless about like going for it uh and my mom too but especially with my dad with stuff like that like anything that's mechanical, like, how do you figure out how this machine works? This making a sandlot thing is kind of like, there's a machine sort of inner workings to it. Like, what can you can create in your mind? And then what gets like, what power gets generated through the gears of however, and whoever, maybe whoever else gets involved and what what role do they play in the machine and stuff like that? Like, that's a big part of why this stuff works. Like, what usually it's never, it's never one person pulling the weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
one person doesn't make a baseball team because some of the best players that have ever played the game never won a World Series, you know? So it's not, it's not, it's not one person. Unless they're completely capable of, like, a, a Michael Jordan situation of, like, bringing the team up to their level to be, like, a really great support network or anybody who's kind of done a similar thing. Like, it's very rare that you see a team of, like, one really amazing player really bring everybody up to the next, yeah. like, the next that. level. Because yeah. yeah. baseball, baseball is such a complicated game. Exactly. There's so many variables to it. Teaching teaching adults how to hit a baseball is really hard. Like, yeah. I do it, you know, but you can't – I mean, I say this all the time. I can't see what you see. I can't feel what it feels like to stand in your in your body. Right. So, like, and a lot of the people that, you know, come to our team are attracted to what we do because we don't look like typical baseball players. Like, we, we have a lot of – we have, a you know, we have quite a few, like – non-binary and trans members on our team. We have a, a queer, a bunch of people that are queer, you know, and they have been inspired by having this environment exist that I helped cultivate. Like I've been spreading seeds for years. It's just a matter of it taking growth. Like I wanted to, by getting away from softball, I wanted to cultivate an environment where you can come as you are. I don't care if you don't know how to play the game. You'll learn. If yeah. you come out here every week, you'll learn something and you'll learn something about yourself and you'll like, I mean, the, the most amazing thing to me is like see people engage in their physicality. Like, yeah, people that couldn't throw ten feet now are throwing, you know, fifty. Like, they because oh, yeah. they it, figured it out and they and they cared enough to keep trying. You it's know? got a it's got a very primitive aspect to it, and then it's got it a does. very complex math side to it. And it does well, you know, like but, but, but couldn't you? But couldn't you also see caveman playing caveman playing baseball? Absolutely, yeah. And it's Throw like, the stone, hit the stone. That's yeah, the whole game. It, it, you know and, what I mean? And it's really hard you're to right. hit the stone. You have to be okay with not yeah, hitting the, the stone that often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 bases are flat rocks. You know, it's like the Flintstones, get it? You know, or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, well, well. Uh, listen, we've uh, just burned through an hour without even trying. We didn't get to talk about your. Music. I know. I had, I had, I had a feeling that was going to happen because I love talking about this stuff. So uh, I hope you got some useful stuff out of it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we didn't get to mention your music store, your, your, your record store. Oh yeah. I mean, I can, I can touch on that really, really quick. Yeah. So my record, my record store, uh, I started, uh, so I've been fixing musical instruments and electronics as long as I've been playing music. Um, and uh, once I moved to Philly, I started a business just doing that. I eventually bought a, a record store that existed that was going out of business and moved my stuff into there. And we sell musical instruments and records. And I, I fix a lot of stereo equipment and sell a lot of stereo equipment. Um, yeah, that same thing. And then that's where I keep like all my doc. That's where my doc Ellis wall is because I need that place has t 12 foot ceilings and a lot of space. So I was like, cool. I had this huge Doc Ellis World Series banner that they gave to us because we won. And I'm like, where am I going to put a 10 foot banner in my apartment? You know, <laughs> so I started putting that stuff up into the store. So people will kind of look around and see, oh, we, did, we have posters on the wall. And then they go, I'm like, what's all this stuff? And then I talk to them about baseball and kind of like, tell them, and especially if they're from Philly, I'm like, you got to come down, bring your glove if you have one, bring a bat if you have one. What's your like, I've, that, I've, 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 I've recruited people that way too, you know. What's your business called? The, uh, the name of the store is called the store is called Common Beat Music. Nice, very cool. Yeah, I named it after. There's a well. There's a, a famous Austin punk band called the Big Boys, and they had this song on one of their records from the '80s called Common Beat. It's kind of a weird like. They sort of like they were kind of doing what the Red Hot Chili Peppers did later, like in 1983. Like they were playing like they were mixing like funk with punk, and. Uh, they, uh, yeah, I mean, if you look them up, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that sounds like an awesome band for sure. Like, they're kind of, I think, like, the, the reason that Fun 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 Fest is called that, that's a that's a big boy song, you yeah. know? And, uh, yeah, they have a song called Common Beat big that has, boy, like, big early, boy, big early, boy like, turntable scratching and stuff, and we kind of made, I kind of, I just thought that was a cool name for a store. Big, big Boy Daddy Fat Sacks? Big Boy Daddy Fat Sacks? Sir Lucius Left Foot? Big Boy? Big Boys. Oh, my bad. Big boys. They're, so they're called the Big I thought they're you were called going, the big boys. My bad. I thought you were going hip hop on me. No, no, the big boys. They're they're a punk band. I mean, some of them are still alive. I know the no. singer's not alive anymore, but yeah. Well, listen, Carlo. Thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah, this was and, great. Yeah, um, we may need to do it again. Get into get into some the the next. Level I know. There's stuff. a lot of there. There's so much. There's so much minutia to dig into, but like an hour goes away real fast when you have a lot to say, and I have a lot to say, especially this year. Like. After being at the World Series and stuff, like I, I just like 
I left there like I feel like I don't I don't know if I did, but I feel like I had some sort of weird like trans transcendental experience or something like something something like unlocked in my brain, and now I'm just like I gotta we gotta start like getting intermixing with these other people, like and getting people out here or whatever, you know. I mean, Brett Brett Spears said that to me when I met him in North Carolina. He was like, "If I'm coming to Philly, can I come play with you guys?" I was like, "Of course, man!" Like he's like, "I want to play for every team," and I'm like, "I do too. <laughs> we have that in common, you know." Like so, yeah. Um, very yeah, cool. I mean, it was great to talk to you guys. I know I'm burning up your time, so yeah, good, man. we should. If you, yeah, if you need me, if you need me to 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 talk and talk and talk another hour, just let me know. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'd love to do it again. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so yeah. much. And uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, have a good one. We hope to. Uh, I know both of us hope we get our, uh, get to come up there and uh, play you all up there, or have you come down here for sure. Yeah, I, you know, we'll figure it at some point. We're going to figure out how to make that work. Cool. Thanks, Carlo. Thank you. Later. All right. See you Bye. guys. Our theme song is by The Tender Things, written by number 33 of the Texas Playboys, Jesse Ebal. Mm-hmm.